This scripture reading is from prophet Isaiah. And in this, in this scripture passage, you're going to hear the voice of God speaking to Isaiah, the voice of the people speaking back. But it really is part of many times in the Old Testament where the people are doing the religious rituals. They're doing the things, they're fasting, they're giving their sacrifices, but God is not happy with them. And then God tells them what God would really like. So listen to this word from Isaiah. Shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and desire to know my ways. As if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day. You oppress all your workers. You fast only to quarrel and fight and strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? A day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I choose. To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn And your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call. And the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help. And he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness. And your gloom will be like noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places. Will make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You will be called repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. Here's the reading. Dust. So annoying. Gets everywhere, goes anywhere. If you leave a room or a building shut up for any amount of time, what do you find? You find that dust is more prolific than bunnies. Oh, and there's probably some dust bunnies in there too. Seems like they've maybe thrown a dust bunny party in your absence. 
So we try to clean it up and vacuum it up and sweep it up and we even use the own word to do it, right? We try to dust it up. But yet it remains to remind us. I mean, dust is the stuff of the universe. It's the stuff of creation. One preacher has commented a number of times, which is just true in terms of cosmology and how we're made, that we are all made of stardust. The basic foundational building blocks are dust. But it sounds a little different, though, when we say, you are dust. And to dust, you shall return, doesn't it? It's ominous. Almost forbidding, right? And yet, today, Ash Wednesday, begins a yearly season of the church called Lent. A 40-day time of devotion and discipleship as we prepare to celebrate the mystery and the joy of Christ's suffering of his death and resurrection. Sometimes it's called the Paschal Feast. Sometimes it's called the Passion of Christ. Sometimes it's called, as we get into it, the Holy Week. The time was originally used as a very focused time for people who were, going to, who were new converts to the faith, they would spend 40 days fasting and praying and in, and in lots of study, and then they would be baptized on the Saturday night as it turned into the morning of Easter, called the Easter Vigil. Our son Noah was baptized on an Easter Vigil. Later, they became a time of great contrition and seriousness. I think especially uh, through the Middle Ages, as Catholicism exerted itself a little bit and, and we wanted to make sure that people knew just how darn sinful they really are and how sorry they ought to be about their sins and how, you know, and how they needed to give up things and, and really focus on the fact of how bad they were. It's almost like they were reliving the 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness or something. Like they were trying to, like it was almost like they, they would deny the fact that the resurrection had already happened. And so now we were observing this Lent because if we didn't, somehow God, we wouldn't be in favor with God or something. And so it became, when I grew up as a Lutheran, it, it was sometimes very downcast, very try. You bury the Alleluia at Lent if you're a very serious liturgical church. You don't sing Alleluia during Lent because, oh my goodness, we, we, why would we want to celebrate? Even though the fact of the matter is, in terms of the, the strict parlance of it, the legal matters of it is, the Sunday's are not Sundays of Lent, they are Sundays in Lent. They are still celebrations of the resurrection. And so, they focused on brokenness, their unworthiness. They often spend long times in prayer, and, and I think it, Lent became sort of ominous, almost foreboding, like dust. And yet, now, Lent has taken on, in some ways, more meaning. And for much of the culture, no meaning at all. Some will take up a new discipline for 40 days. I see, I saw this all, it's just been all over, if you're on social media at all, like Facebook, like here, 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 here are ways to, to, you know, to, to have a happy land or whatever, to practice Lent. Like every day for 40 days, give something away. Awesome. A lot of people give up meat or alcohol, or 
or they give more money away, or they, or they plan to do more service work during that time. They, they clear away some things to make space for something. And, and really the point is, is to make room for God. The time of Lent, as one writer said, is, a, is, a, is sort of a tithe of the year, a 10% of the year. And so if you think about it that way, like if, if you're a person who, who is moving toward a tithing of your income, a 10%, which is a biblical thing of first fruits offerings, that if you think about the, the days, if you take these 40 days and you tithe them to God in a way, you, you give yourself to them in a very particular way, that can be a way of making space, making space for God to create more perhaps to create a space where you, would, you might grow in faith. So I invite you to see these 40 days as a tithe of what if, what if you dedicated this in a special way, whatever, whatever that might mean for you, to create space for God. One of the things that I, that I find, find in the scriptures is there's so much of the time, Old Testament, New Testament, God or the prophets or Jesus is speaking they're calling us to take the focus off of ourselves to put the focus on what God desires. So not just on some observance of a Lenten discipline, not just, some, not, not just prayer and fasting and almsgiving, but what Isaiah talks about. Creating space for the community to begin to think about how do we feed the hungry? How do we clothe the naked? How, how are we representing the gospel out in a world that needs to hear good news, that needs, that needs those very basic things in a loving and gracious way? And that that is what we are called to. Over and over and over again, in the Old Testament especially, it, you just hear the Israelites are called to care for the the foreigner, the alien, the immigrant, the orphan, the widow, all of those who are at risk of being oppressed and marginalized. And so, I think that's what Isaiah is getting at. Our religious and spiritual practices are not necessarily what God desires. God desires our hearts and our minds and our souls dedicated to God's redemptive drama. In some ways, land is, again, about getting us back to our attitudes and our actions. So what about dust? <laughs> so annoying. But remembering where dust connects us with the creation, the creator. It takes away our ego-driven hubris and our pride. It reminds us that one day we will die. And we will return to the dust. So why not let go of all of the things that are taking your life now? All the nonsense that we just cling on to, that we think is what we need to be doing and who we need to be. And why not embrace the life-altering, new life-giving mystery of Jesus? Of his life, his death, his resurrection. I pray that this land is filled with lots of dust. And may it be a season that brings you to life, to love, to deep faith for yourself, 
for God and for your neighbor. Amen.